Hello, everyone. My name is Martha. I'm a compulsive overeater, relapse survivor, living in a state of grace today. That pretty much sums up my story, but maybe you'll be interested in a few of the details. So um, I've been in program, well, August will be 19 years. So that's coming up. And I'm down, uh, I've been blessed to be down about 100 pounds, 105, I don't know, up, you know somewhere in there. And, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about my background. And that is that my disease started as a disease of perception. I thought I was fat. I have, I felt different from everyone else, not better or worse, just different. Like there they were, and I was right there near them, but not, not like them. And that perception followed me all the way until I got to the doors here. I thought I was, I looked at the pictures and I've looked at the pictures and I thought, what was I looking at? How could I possibly think I was fat? There's a side view of me, I'm like this. And that's in high school. And I, I don't know what I was looking at, but I ate from, I think maybe fifth grade on, which is when I stopped sucking my two fingers. Somebody, a newcomer in the room one time said something about sucking her thumb and I was like, I mean, I was probably seven years in program before it hit me. Oh, this is why I need to be here and listen to people. Because I don't remember everything about me. Just this week, I remembered that I was in remedial gym. In my gym class, I couldn't do the thing. I couldn't climb the rope. I couldn't, you know, do push-ups. There were pull-ups, any of the things that um, the school required. So they sent me to an extra gym class. I didn't remember that until now, 18 years in. So my brain is not a good reflection of who I was back then. It's what I know right now, or as I remember it right now, I'll say. And, and that's okay because as I grow in this recovery, I grow in clarity. And so new things come up all the time. And I'm so grateful. New uh, thoughts about uh, an amend I need to make or just the fact that I, I don't remember ever this thing being resolved. So I get to take another look. I'm so grateful to be here. I was always under the impression that life was supposed to be pain-free. So that was what I was working toward. No pain, no problems. That life would be peaceful and happy. That's what I thought it was supposed to be. And that's what I was aiming at forever. And that never really happened. Moments, but not life itself. Just a moment here and a moment there. And so I spend a lot of time trying to manage my world, your world, and the world at large. And what that got me was a lot of frustration, a lot of angst, uh, a lot of resentment, frustration, and those are the things I ate over. I didn't like those things. I wasn't comfortable with those things. I didn't like any large emotions. I liked to live in a bubble where everything was neutral. It was all comfy, cozy. And that's where I wanted to be. 
And if there was anything out there messing with that, which there was on a daily basis, then I was uncomfortable and I needed to get comfortable. And since you weren't following my directions and you weren't on board with my ideas and life wasn't going my way, then I would eat. And that was my, the drug of choice to take me out of where I was because I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be in that space outside of neutral. And so by the time I got, I was almost ready to come here. I was in the grocery store and somebody, I live in a tiny town, so everybody knew everybody. And we had a business in town, a very central business. Everybody knew my husband and myself and my kids. So I was in the grocery store and someone says, oh, Martha, how are you? You know, that little pity face. And, and I said, fine, thanks, how are you? And, but the truth was that my husband had just died. My youngest daughter was a crack addict and she was heading to rehab, hopefully soon. My, all my kids moved home, one with a baby, to take care of me. And uh, I weighed 245 pounds, but I'm fine, right? That, that was the beginning of what I realized I lived in denial. I didn't know it then, but shortly after, because that daughter went to rehab and it was 12-step based, thank you, God, she helped me find my program. She said, some of the girls go to OA here. And I went to see what it was. And maybe that could be for you. How fortunate. That's the gift of a crappy situation. There's always a gift. And that was it for me. And I, I was home the minute I came into program. They read step one, I'm assuming, because there was a newcomer. Thank you. And I was home. Thank you, Chris. And... Uh, and I thought, oh my God, they wrote a book about me and forgot to put my name in there. That's it. I'm, I'm, I was home. I bought the, the 12 and 12. I went home and I read it cover to cover. And I realized I'm going to need that thing they called a sponsor because I didn't understand a word past step one. I had no idea what they're talking about. I was an agnostic. I had no experience with introspection because I always liked me. I really did. I wasn't comfortable, but I liked me a lot, like a lot. <laughs> and um, so I came back the next week and knowing I needed a sponsor, I was always a, an excellent dieter. I mean, I'd done it a thousand times. I was really good at it. I couldn't keep it off. I couldn't stay any place for more than five minutes, but I was good at that. I wasn't worried about the food part. I knew that I would have trouble with the God part, the higher power part. And this woman in the room, her eyes sparkled and her pores oozed spirituality. And I said, that's what I want. I want that. And she became my sponsor. And I don't know, maybe there's nothing like the first time, whatever, but she was <laughs> changed my life, changed my life. And unfortunately she passed away. So. Um, I didn't get the benefit of, of more than five years, but I got a lot in five years. And uh, so I tried, I did everything she asked. 
I tried to define my higher power. I was talking to, she said, talk to God. What God? So, you know, that thing with the two tin cans and the string between them. That's what it felt like. I was talking to God. I was holding the can here. And the other can was on the floor somewhere out of sight. And it was laying on the ground. All of a sudden, one day, I'm still talking to God. I'm doing what I'm told. Three months, six months. I don't even know when it was. It felt like the, the can was no longer on the floor. I can't tell you where it was, but it wasn't on the floor anymore. And that was the beginning of my spiritual journey. And it wasn't until I stopped trying to define my higher power. That's when, that's when my spirituality took off. Because I don't understand how a lot of things work and I use them. I go up in an airplane. I don't know how aerodynamics. There's a lot of fax machine way back when, you know, when we were all using fax machines. I never could figure out how that worked. But it did, and I made use of it. So why was this so hard? I let go of all of that. And that is when I found a higher power that it grew. My understanding grew. And once it began to grow, and I created the opening for God in my life, it just took off exponentially. For where I never saw God, you know, that was like, oh, isn't she talented? Isn't that beautiful? But there was no God in that thought. And now everywhere I look, look what the gift God gave Mary for the gardening. Look at that beautiful thing that God made. I, it's everywhere. And there isn't a place I can look where I don't see God. Even if, even if it's a sad thing, God's there. So... I have lived this life of peace that I didn't know existed. I, I didn't find peace in the food. I didn't find peace in controlling outcomes and processes. I only found peace once I let go of all of that. That's my story. The minute I let go, I was flooded with all kinds of sense of security. I feel okay, even when things are not okay. I, I have this inner sense of like a, it's a solid feeling inside of me, but it's not a solid thing. I just can't describe these feelings that I have, but I feel in my chest, I have a solid feeling of connection to God and to the universe that was never there. Oh, oh, thank you. All right, and I <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't even remember where it was, but I'll just say that from the time that I created that let go of my understanding, my thinking about God and figuring it out, trying to divine God, that allowed me the freedom to, um, to grow in understanding and not be limited by my human brain that could, you know, I, my human brain doesn't have the ability to comprehend the God that I have. My God has no edges and no boundaries. 
I don't know how to picture that, but there is nothing that um, corrals that. So for me, uh, letting go is the answer to everything. When I'm struggling, let go. Um, the, uh, I find abstinence is not, I thought I came in thinking abstinence and weight loss would be what I was seeking. And of course, like many people, I have found way more than weight loss. That's actually the least of what I've found here. That abstinence is not recovery. It's the portal that opens the door to the pathway to recovery. It's what allows me to do the work and be present and to hear the messages because I'm not in my head about the food. Because when I was in the food, my head was there too. I, you know, I couldn't do this and eat. It was, uh, it was just one thing in my head and I couldn't get it away. And now I know a, me and a meal is abstinent if when I, the food on the plate is gone and the stories in my head are gone. There's nothing left here. There's, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. I should have had more. Why didn't I bother? Why did I this? None of that's here anymore. It's an empty kind of, this is empty most of the time because there's no stories anymore. And that took so much of my time and energy, my mental time and energy and focus that there wasn't much room for other things. And now the, the breeze can go through there. It's lovely. <laughs> uh, abstinence isn't about doing it perfectly. It's about having a healthy response when I don't. And that came to me after three weeks. I had a slip. I called my sponsor. I said, you know, I, I said what happened. I had already made my, and eaten my next planned abstinent meal. And my sponsor said, I can't tell you if you were abstinent. You have to figure that out. So I wrote about it. I shared it with others. I prayed and I waited for the message. And three weeks later, is when this message came. Abstinence is not about doing it perfectly. It's about having a healthy response when I don't do it perfectly. And I had done the, I, I did do what recovery offers. Thank you. I, I made my next abstinent meal. I called my sponsor right away. I talked to God, I read about it. I shared it with others. Now I did all the things that I was being taught to do instead of eat over what I ate or rack myself with guilt or shame or remorse and regret. None of that. That's recovery to me. That's how I see recovery. And for that, I was really grateful. I didn't have to go down any rabbit hole. I didn't have to start again because there is no starting again in my book. It's moving on, even if I'm repeating something because it, it doesn't seem that I got it. I'm repeating it and moving forward, not going back. I can't go back. There is no back. And that saves me from feeling defeated because that thought of, 
oh, now I got to start again. That never worked well with me. That never sat well. Didn't Shame is not a teaching tool. It doesn't help me to move forward. And uh, let's see, I'm looking at notes to see if I have anything. I have these little bullet points here. I have had relapses, not that particular time, but I have had relapses and uh, multiple relapses. And the thing that, the only thing that I did, if you wanna use the word perfectly, was that I never left the rooms. I never stopped going to meetings. I never stopped reading and writing. I never stopped talking on the phone. I never stopped being of service. I never stopped making a food plan, even when I knew I wasn't gonna follow it that day. When I knew I was so deep into the food that I knew I wasn't gonna follow that plan, but I made it anyway, because how do I know when the day would come? And, and there was a day because I kept doing all the things that support recovery and abstinence. And those are the things that I had, the muscles I had built. And one day I woke up and said, hmm, I can do that today. I wish I knew the formula. I wish I could tell you the magic you know, plan, but there, it, I didn't do it like that. It, it just, I was able to receive the gift that was given to me and to hold on to it that day. And that I, I don't have an explanation for, except that it's worth sticking around to get, definitely. Um, I am now today, if somebody 20 years, 20 years ago told me that I'd be talking about God every day, I would have laughed in their face. God was not a part of my daily life. It was my childhood, you know, Sunday school, that kind of thing. Yeah. But other than that, once I became even a teenager, it was gone. And that, that I had no connection, no personal relationship, no understanding, no, I couldn't even see God anywhere. I wasn't looking. I was looking at boys, mostly, or in the mirror. And uh, today, that's, that's what I see in everything, everything. There's always a gift in the day, even on the worst or most challenging days. I won't say worst, the most challenging days in my life. There are gifts abound. You know, they, they, they're everywhere. I just have to be present enough to see them. And this program helps me do that. My job here isn't to find the answers. It is to be open to the solution. So how do I do that? Is by working these steps, living a spiritually principled life, having daily actions that I take that crack me open. Prayer cracks me open. You know, fellowship cracks me open. These meetings, the readings, Meditation, these things create openings. And that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm not trying to put, put specific stuff in there. I don't know what I need. So I'm always living in the process of becoming. I don't know what I'm becoming, but I'm pretty sure it's better than what I was on a daily basis. So 
that's pretty much my story and how I feel about program and what I do on a daily basis. Um, I do have some reading here from the big book for the topic. And so on, what did I write? Oh, there it is, pa uh, page 317 in the big book. It says, the program is a plan for a lifetime of daily living. There have been occasions when the temptation to slack off has won. I view each of these as learning opportunities. There's no failure. There's no failure here. I've just learned something that doesn't work. So when I'm willing to do the right thing, I am rewarded with an inner peace no amount of liquor could ever provide. When I'm unwilling to do the right thing, I become restless, irritable, and discontent. It is always my choice. That is the thing that I didn't realize. I thought I had no choice. Through the 12 steps, I had been granted the gift of choice. I am no longer at the mercy of a disease that tells me the only answer is to drink. If willingness is the key to unlock the gates of hell, it is action that opens the doors so that we may walk freely among the living. And so the actions I take every day, all those tools that I use every day. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah. Um, those are the things that create that opening. Those are the choices I'm making that open the doors to a, a healthier. I know people say happy, joyous, and free. The book says happy, joyous, and free. I say healthy, joyous, and free. Because that is what I am today. I'm in better shape at 66 than I have ever been as a young person, ever. Even when I was thin in those days, I was thin, but I was crazy and I was uncomfortable. I might still be crazy. I can't vouch for that, but I am healthy and I am at peace. <laughs>